Welcome. You are listening to Dr. Me First with me, Dr. Erin Wiseman, episode number two. This is a podcast where female physicians come to have authentic conversations, get encouragement, and leave refreshed to take on our world. No more feeling alone in medicine because here you will find connection, community, and hope. I'm your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Erin Wiseman, and in each episode, I talk with an amazing female colleague, and her one homework assignment is to come up with a word for which our conversation will revolve around. So today, I'm talking with Dr. Heather Hammerstead, and her word is layers. So here we go. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Erin Wiseman back with you today, and I have a very special guest that I want to introduce. Her name is Dr. Heather Hammerstedt. She's a MD, MPH, who's board certified in emergency medicine and a full partner and assistant medical director at Vituity at the Boise, Idaho location. She came to Boise in 2008 from Boston, where she had worked as an attending ER physician for Harvard Medical Faculty Physicians. She completed her medical studies at Temple and did her postgraduate residency in emergency medicine at Beth Israel Deaconess. Deaconess's Harvard-affiliated emergency medicine residency program. She holds a master's in public health degree from Harvard School of Public Health with a concentration in international health sector reform and development. She is one of the founders and executive director of a nonprofit organization called Global Emergency Care, and she's going to tell us more about it here in a little bit. She also is CEO of Holist, which is a proactive, integrative health and wellness company focused around weight fitness, women's health, and mind-body care. She keeps herself busy with all of these projects, but she also has her husband skiing, rafting, running, and chasing after two small boys in a big chocolate lab. You can find more out about what she is doing in the show notes, which I will post later, but let's go ahead and get on to the interview. Also, by the way, I want to mention that she is my new kick-ass best friend because I have been watching her videos on Whole List on Facebook and absolutely loving them. So, hey, today, Dr. Heather. Hey, how are you? I am doing wonderful. It's so great to have you on the podcast, and I want you to tell um, our listeners a little bit more about what you're doing with your non-for-profit. Sure. So um, I'm the executive director and co-founder with a few other emergency medicine uh, physicians and friends of Global Emergency Care. And we um, formed in 2007 um, after a couple of us ended up in uh, rural Uganda doing some emergency medicine uh, kind of uh, uh, global health work and realized that there is a huge need for emergency medicine outside of the developed world. Um, and so we formed a nonprofit, Global Emergency Care, um, really kind of on a whim. And here we are 11 years later. <laughs> um, but we've been focusing on doing emergency medicine education. And so we run a two-year train-the-trainer program, which is now a, a, a recognized diploma program nationally in the country, uh, where we train uh, basically mid-level providers. We take nurses and what they call clinical officers, which are basically physician assistant levels, and train them to be able to provide emergency care independently and then consult with um, physicians as needed. Uh, the, what's novel and unique about this is that there was no emergency medicine in the entire country uh, when we started working there, and ours was really the first program 
Um, there's now we've helped uh, one of the universities that we're associated with develop a physician residency program. And so that just started this year, which is really exciting. So now there's emergency medicine physicians being trained. There's a couple other big kind of national movements that we're involved with with the government in terms of increasing physician and mid-level emergency medicine education there as well. So it's been quite a ride, a lot of ups and downs and a lot of learning points. But our staff there is really amazing, you know, saving lives every day and really working hard to train new uh, folks and even better that they're starting to kind of do the administration of the program as well. So it's really a sustainable model that we're excited about. That's so great. I just think it's absolutely amazing to not only be touching lives here in the U.S. using your medical skills, but also abroad. And I just commend you guys for that. That's absolutely amazing. And before we got on the recording today, everybody, I always kind of like to pick a topic with everyone. And you'll notice it's usually a one word topic. And so today we are going to talk about layers and how we kind of came about this topic. Like I mentioned earlier, I was listening to Dr. Hammerstedt's um, videos. And one of the comments that really stuck to me about it is um, you said, how can we do our job when there are so many layers that stand between us and patients? So give me a little bit more about how you are approaching layers. So, I mean, I guess when it comes to actual clinical emergency medicine, when I think about the layers between me and the patient, they still exist even in clinical practice where, you know, you don't have the time to sit down and really talk to folks directly more than just maybe even a few minutes. Um, but I think the way that I approach it in terms of, cause you know, there's techs and nurses and secretaries and, you know, can you please go in and tell so-and-so this, you know, because I'm busy with 15 other patients. Um, I think the way that I approach it, at least clinically, is really making sure that those minutes count, right? That I sit down and I make sure that I ask the questions that let me into the patient a little bit more instead of just what they're saying that they're there for and trying to realize what the whole context is. Uh, it's really important, even in an emergency medicine sort of perspective of you just don't understand what people are coming to the table with unless you really get in there and ask and try to make yourself as authentic and vulnerable as you can as a physician as well so that they feel comfortable talking to you about that. Absolutely. Um, I think that's so true because like one of the first initial layers, at least that I feel when, um, you know, we're working is not evidently that there's a hidden agenda, but there's a layer that you kind of have to go through with the patient, like the finding out why are you here? You know, some people are there because they do have like a physical ailment. They have a cut on their leg and it's bleeding, but other people, sometimes it's not something that you can always see on the surface. And I know that's where we um, have challenges in our job. Isn't it seem, it's interesting that that, I mean, that's a really great point. You know, why are you here? It seems like an easy thing to answer, right? But it is very complex and anyone who's worked in, an emergent know you know sometimes you just can't figure it out unless you really like take the time to continue to ask questions and I like to think about it like my three-year-old right like every time he says why and I answer and it's like why and I answer and why and I answer and sometimes you need to go down that rabbit hole too with patients to get through those layers is like just keep asking I tell my trainees this all the time it's like just if it doesn't make sense to you it's not that you're not understanding and it's not that the person isn't able to tell you. It's that you're not asking the right questions and you just have to keep asking and asking and asking in different ways until it makes sense. 
And whether that's the chronologic order of like why someone actually got to you or whether it's the emotional aspect of why someone got to you. Um, it's that through that the three year old, <laughs> the three year old mentality I think you need to have. Well, and it's so hard to when you're just trying to establish a relationship with somebody who walks in there and maybe, you know, a lot of times I know that I don't process things the way that other patients do. Like, um, yeah. like, for instance, you know, like most of us in the medical field as physicians, we think chronological, you know, we go back to the onset of symptoms and then we move forward on that. But so many times I feel like with patients, they kind of wander around a little bit. And of course, then we come to the the next layer, which is like um, close family and friends, you know, that they are there and um, they want to advocate for their, their special someone. But Oh, my goodness. Sometimes that layer is the most abrasive that I find. Yep. Yep. Yep, for sure. Um, Yeah, that's kind of how I think of like clinically of layers. I guess, you know, if you want to move on to kind of administrative and legislative layers, (laughs) that's a whole nother story. But I mean, I, I think that, you know, I've, I've been in clinical practice now out, out of residency for about 11 years. And um, I feel like, I don't know whether it's just me growing and being more confident clinically. And so I'm able to open my eyes a little bit more and see the bigger picture or whether it's all of my years of kind of executive leadership running our business, our emergency medicine business that kind of has opened those eyes or whether it's just the the change in how medicine is over the last decade, but I have just really started to feel that there is a big chasm of space between the physician community and the patient community. And that manifests itself clinically because you feel like your patients don't understand what you do as a physician and they don't trust you necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also comes across in terms of, you know, what how the media portrays physicians, um, how the, the patients perceive the physicians and how we haven't really been able to advocate ourselves for ourselves um, in, a, in a way that makes sense um, to the patients. Because, first of all, we're just trying to take care of patients and we haven't tried to kind of politically advocate for ourselves. But we also have the layer of nurse administrators, the layer administrators, we have the layer of hospital administrators, we have legislation in the middle, we have lobbying organizations in between, we have insurance companies, (laughs) insurance companies, I mean, just all these things that are between me and the patient. And uh, I wish and I'm hoping, and I'm trying to with with my company Holist is to reach across that and get rid of some of those layers so that we can, you know, get back to what I feel like is most important, which is the physician-patient relationship, the provider-patient relationship in terms of, you know, how do we understand and know each other where we're coming from so that we can both come together and advocate for that relationship. I mean, because I can't take care of someone if I don't understand where they're coming from. And they they don't understand the training that a physician has, the situation that the physician is in, what expertise that physician has in terms of their specific family medicine, emergency medicine, cardiology, whatever that is, 
Um, or, you know, what does an acupuncturist do? What is, you know, the massage therapist, what is their specialty? If we don't understand all of that about each other, we're going to, we're not going to come out of with a successful, um, uh, outcome without understanding what the expectations are. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, it's like a, for instance, yeah. like when a tech walks into the room and a patient doesn't understand that they are not a nurse, you know, like they have a right. different role um, than perhaps what they perceive in their head. Tell me what, how are you getting across this chasm and like, fixing the fa- the patient and physician relationship with Holis? Because I'm really interested to, to hear your take on that. So, yeah, so I am a, um, a, a new CEO of my own company, Holis, and um, I'm about five months in and I started the company um, as a plan to do, uh, you know, health coaching around weight and fitness and kind of mind-body health. Um, but with all of our, my preface of everything else we've been talking about in terms of the problems um, in our health system, I've really realized that there is an opportunity to integrate teams of providers and physicians together, kind of outside of the regular health system to create better health and wellness for our patients. And in a way, you know, I, I feel like I'm a health curator. I feel like I'm really good at coming up with um, you know, ideas and putting together other people's expertise um, into programs that make sense that nobody's done before. And you and also um, figuring out a way to create a novel way of approaching health that's, you know, are, you know, break the mold in a way. So um, the bigger picture of Holist is that patients can come to us and we will create a health and wellness plan for them, short, medium, long term. Um, and then put together a virtual team of practitioners and physicians that can care for them, but also in person in their communities. Um, and I have a telehealth platform that we pull everyone together into one place. We can have group calls, coordination between all of the folks on the team, um, as well as keep centralized documents so that we can share all that information. And what comes out of that is really um, we have an opportunity to amplify our own results by using and piggybacking on other people on the team. So say your team is an acupuncturist, a family medicine doc, uh, maybe you have a functional medicine doctor who's kind of assisting. Um, you have, you know, the, a, a personal trainer, whatever your team looks like, um, that team knows what everyone else is up to and so can really take those results and work off of that. Um, so it's it's pretty exciting. Right now, the main program that we have is a weight wellness program. It's a 12-week program where uh, folks get daily uh, podcast information on weight science and mindset and mindfulness around their food relationships. Um, they have a personal coach uh, that they have video calls on every week, and they also have uh, the opportunity to have the addition of a meditation guide, hypnotherapist, or a life coach on, on top of that. Um, and the folks who have been super engaged and um, excited about this program have all been down 8 to 10 percent in 12 weeks body weight and um, really feeling like they've changed their life. And so this model, I think, is going to be uh, reproducible in terms of fitness and women's health and mind body work. And I'm, I'm just super stoked. Yeah, it sounds like a innovative hybrid off of um, like patient centered home. But Mm -hmm. it sounds like it's more um, what people are really seeking out, you know, instead of what we kind of built as the vehicle 
um, in healthcare. So I know one of my questions as I hear you talking is like, okay, so that's all well and nice. We got all our specialists and all our people on board, but what's the payment model? Like I'm just thinking as a physician, I'm like, oh, if I want to be a collaborator, I wonder what this is like. So give me just a for instance, is it like, um, you know, because mostly we're talking to an audience of physicians here, like, like what is what is the collaboration that goes along with it? And um, what are your like expectations as far as like financial? Is it like one time fee per patient? Is it just kind of like a retainer? Let me know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends from a physician's perspective. It sort of depends what role someone wants to have. Right. So if you just if you're in, you know, say you're working in your office, in your outpatient setting, you have patients that come through every 15 minutes and, you know, they need to lose weight. They, you know, they need mind, mindset work. You know that they their body needs work that, you know, they need to lose weight, get off their diabetes meds, all of these things. But you don't a maybe not know you maybe not know exactly how to tell them to do that, and b um, you certainly don't have the time. Um, so the that option is is that you can just refer someone to us and we bring you back a more well patient, right? And then that that the payment for that is just the payment is the patient to holist and we bring you um, a more well patient. And whether that comes back to reimbursements from you for you know for payers and things like that. Um, for their outcomes would be great, um, obviously. The other option is that um, physicians can become part of the Holist network, which means that um, they would um, receive um, clients from us uh, for care. And it sort of depends on, you know, what your specialty is. It's mostly, would you want to be family medicine? That's a telemedicine sort of um, relationship where obviously it's state dependent, where you have your licenses, whether it's you're coming on as a coach, um, whether um, whether you want to, you know, whether you're a functional medicine person, it sort of depends. If you come in as a network, you'd be an independent contractor and we would um, pay you your fee per patient visit. Um, and it's all out of it's all non-insurance space. It's all direct care. That sounds phenomenal on both sides. I know both as being like a referring physician to tell people, hey, you need to do this because they're going to get in mm-hmm. your grill and I don't have time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then exactly. also on the other side for people who are potenti- potentially looking for um, other ways to find fulfillment in, in medicine um, because, you yeah. know, this is a big world, but it seems like more and more we're getting um, so much more um, interconnected that we have these availabilities, like for instance, where I'm at in rural Indiana, I mean, I don't think there's a functional medicine doctor within like 150 miles. So, you know, that would be great to be able to have that kind of collaboration with that. Um, and you know, um, so obviously, you know, we have this, we have a patient wellness problem, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we have a, we have a problem where they are not able, they, they go to the doctor to fix sick problems. But there is not a good method of us to kind of create preventative wellness. And so this is an opportunity for patients to be able to seek that out in a way that they can they know they can trust the providers and the physicians that are in the network. Because, you you know, as you mentioned, people are seeking this out. Right. They're putting up their hands to go to acupuncture. They're putting up their hand to go to massage. They're putting up their hand to go, you know, go do X, Y and Z. Um, but they don't know if their money is worth it. They don't know what the evidence is for. They don't know who these people are. And certainly those people are not communicating. 
So this fixes that problem. But in addition, we have a physician wellness problem, right? And you alluded to this, Mm -hmm. but like we are, um, we are unwell. We are frustrated. We've lost autonomy. The layers between us and the patient, um, are heartbreaking. And we all went in to take care of patients and we all went in, we trained our whole lives, right? To do this. And we have physicians that are depressed and physicians that are burned out and physicians that are killing themselves. And um, if we can provide an opportunity for us to remove those layers and just get back to, you know, let's talk to the patient, let's figure out what's wrong, let's figure out the problem and do it in a way where like we control our own schedule, we control our own, you know, pay, we control um, our relationship. Um, That sounds fantastic to a lot of us. Absolutely. And I really like it that um, this is a physician led innovation because, you know, so many times um, when patients are looking for, um, you know, complementary alternative um, medicine, it it is a little off the cuff and it kind of makes you scratch your head and go, is this snake oil or is this good? Um, And that your program also kind of alleviates that. I mean, because if you one of your consultants is doing a little bit something cray cray, you're going to see it in their yep. charting and you know you can have that discussion with them um yep. which i think is phenomenal and then the other thing too is you can utilize people in the best ways possible i mean like um you know having your dietitian your dietitian doesn't evidently need to be um doing acupuncture you know they need to specialize in what they're doing and vice versa um really plugging people into where their expertise is yeah i've been pretty excited here locally in boise you know pulling together um, folks, different, you know, health and wellness practitioners that I know and trust in our community and coming up with kind of what are the credentials that some of these kind of out of the conventional medical system practitioners um, are, you know, like what what are what is, you know, best practice acupuncture? Um, what are the the things that we have the best evidence for? Um, while studies are hard to do on all of this, but what are the, what are the best things that we can do these for? And so when we have all that layered out, it's easier to grow into other communities and other markets because we can say, this is what you have to be able to do to get in, right? Cause I don't mm-hmm. want to be, I, I don't, I'm not an acupuncturist, right? Like I, I want to figure out, um, people I can trust to make those decisions. Um, so, so that, so I'm pretty excited about that. So our Boise community is growing really well. And once we have the model all fixed um, here, I think it'll be really easy to, um, to grow. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. And you're going to have to keep us up to date um, as you guys are getting launched and growing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are no failures in life. There's just learning opportunities. And sure, so absolutely. as you go through I that. I said that to my husband last night. I said, well, if nothing else, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> you're learning so much from it all. And I just think it's so great that you're so willing to be open about it. Because I know many times as physicians, we don't evidently want to be vulnerable because it's then like, well, what will my colleagues say? So I totally appreciate you being open with that. And that was kind of the last thing I wanted to hit on in our conversation today. You know, we've talked about patient layers. We've talked about administrative layers. We've talked about, um, you know, the big chasm that just keeps 
um, building between us and patients. But, you know, I think one that's really important to address is our own like personal layers. And it sounds like through your career, um, you've done a few different things. And tell me a little bit about like from faculty work to like executive director and, and the head physician of your group. Like, tell me about those layers a little bit. Tell, tell tell you about how I manage them or how they feel or yeah how they feel just yeah. um you've been doing it for over a decade now so I would love to I know, hear old. you're not old <laughs> you're totally not old old is a state of mind and oh I have to uh, share this is that um, someone told me a birthday is like leveling up in a video game so you're just leveling up every oh, year I love, that. I love that I just had my 40th level up that's awesome there you go 40th uh, level up so yeah. So my layers, I, um, I have done a lot of things and, um, I, I, I like putting my hands up to try new things. And the thing that I'm excited about right now, and I don't know if it's because I'm kind of, you know, mid career or where it is, you know, in age or, um, you know, kind of getting babies into toddlers into school, you know, all these transitions in my life right now that, um, I feel like things are coming together. Those layers are coming together into a place that makes me feel really professionally and personally well. And I didn't always feel that way. Um, you know, there are parts of my career that have been, um, you know, difficult, like having, you know, running, running a private group and being the person who's talking to insurance companies and hospital administrators about contracts. Those things are hard and they were not easy for me and I didn't like it. And so I'm pleased to have released some of that. Um, then I, I think about, um, you know, it is hard to overlay those layers in a way that make you feel not just overwhelmed. And I think that that is something that is going to continue to be a learning process for me. I can say at least personally that I am um, really, really lucky to have a spouse who fully supports all of my random <laughs> ideas and excitement and busy life. Um, we, we call him the director of household operations. He's a doho. Yeah. Uh, stay, stay at home <laughs> spouse, um, which has, that is my, that is my base layer. Right. Right. Um, and um, I'm hopeful that I continue to find a way to weave the layers together that work. You know, I think, you know, you were saying that you were appreciative of me just being able to kind of be open and talk about it. I think that's something that I've realized in the last couple of years is that putting a putting a putting a layer over a sheen over yourself is not helping you. It's not helping the patient. It's not helping um, your community. It's not helping the physician community, because the more that we sit here in our imposter syndrome and. Um, pretend like everything is fine or we know everything that's happening. Um, no one else gets in there and understands what the problems are and also doesn't understand how unique and what we have to bring to the table. And I think that the most important thing that we can do as people is to be authentic and vulnerable. But I also think that as physicians, our patients need to see that. The hospital administrators need to see that. The insurance companies need to see it. Our legislators need to see it. We need to be able to be like, this is me. This is my life. These are the problems. These are the things I love about what we do because we can't bring um, things to the table. We can't bring ideas and uh, that work to the table unless we're being honest about what the situation is, because no one knows 
kind of how the physician world works except for us. Right. So absolutely. Um, yeah. That's- well, and when we show up and we show up as ourselves, as our authentic selves and not trying to pretend to be what we think everybody thinks that we should be, like you said, exactly imposter syndrome, then that is when creative and innovative juices really get flowing. And that's what I think we really need right now in medicine, because honestly, you know, physicians are some of the most brightest and creative community that you will be around. And when we get boxed up and when we get covered up, we lose those sparks. And I think that's what we're seeing so much with burnout, with physician turnover, um, even with physician suicide, when people feel like they have nowhere else to go but out. Um, I am 100% on board with that. And I, I um, give everyone a call of action as well to figure out where maybe you can peel off that, that layer that you're kind of hiding behind. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing is, too, is that um, we always think that people are going to judge us, but we are our worst. Um, we are our worst judge. right? Absolutely. Like we're the ones who are ruminating in our own brain. We're the ones who are thinking about how we're the imposter. Right. We have all of those things. It's all we're choosing to have those thoughts. And if you choose not to have those thoughts, you are able to accomplish a lot more. But also you realize that when people watch you or listen to you or hear what you're doing, um, they're not hearing the small things that we ruminate over afterwards, right? They don't even see it. So, right. you know, I've been doing tons of these, like, you know, educational videos with Holists, um, Facebook, most particularly doing a lot of live videos on my own and a lot of interviews with other mostly female physician entrepreneurs on what they're doing. And putting yourself out there like that is very vulnerable, but people love to see the us as physicians opening ourselves up. And so I really want to, uh, you know, add to your call of action, right? Like, how can you in your own world, open yourself up, take off that layer, be more authentic with yourself and your patients, but also, you know, come, come and put yourself out there on whether it's social media or whether anything, just to kind of get your voice out there. So our patients hear. And if anyone wants to do that with me, you know, on Holist, I would love to have you on our Facebook lives. I'd encourage anyone to reach out to you and do something to be vulnerable and bring it out there because we really need that. Absolutely. I could not have uh, segued into conclusion any better than that. And that is so (laughs) wonderful. So if you want to find out more about what either one of us are doing, check out the show notes. Particularly if you're interested in Holist, you can go to holisthealth.com or any social media outlets and um, use the handle at holisthealth. Also, if you're interested in medical education in Uganda, uh, make sure you check out globalemergencycare.org. Well, Dr. Hammerstedt, it has been phenomenal. This has been a wonderful conversation, and I hope that our listeners get even just a spark of what I have heard today because I am ready to go take on the world. (laughs) Great. Let's do it together. Awesome. Thank you. So something corny that I think about whenever I hear layers, I think of the movie Shrek, where he says ogres are like onions. They have layers. But Donkey says, what about parfaits? They have layers, too. Well, when I think of layers, I don't think of either one of those. I think of bedrock layers. And why that is, is I grew up in southern Indiana, where we surprisingly have quite a few oil mines um, and oil wells, I guess I should say. 
And so um, growing up around that, actually, I remember in elementary school learning about the different layers of bedrock that we have here in southern Indiana. And surprisingly enough, several months ago, I heard another fellow female physician coach, uh, Dr. Katrina Ubell talking about oil wells, and I got real excited. And essentially what she was saying is so many times in our life, we start a project and we start digging, and we get to something hard and we hit a level that just doesn't seem like we can get through it. And so we're like, oh, well, we tried hard enough, so let's go to the next. And we kind of leave it, and it kind of turns into a pothole. Instead, what we should be doing is drilling oil wells. And so when we get to that hard place in our life, we've been digging through, we got through the soft mud that maybe was like the easy stuff to push through. Um, And then we get to the hard stuff. And instead of using the same tool of a shovel, we need to change to a different tool. Man, we need something with some power. Give me a jackhammer, give me a dozer, something big time. But essentially, what I think of when I come back to these different layers is that We need to expect that we're going to get to a level that's going to challenge us. Lord knows, as physicians, we have been through the ringer. We have been challenged. We are tough. But life always seems to throw a new curveball at us. Don't you agree? Don't you feel like, oh, my God, I've been through hell and back again, and now I'm in a different hell? Well, I want to encourage you to say that you can get through this. Maybe you just need a different change in tool. Maybe the thing that you've been using for so long is blunt and no longer sharp, and it's just not going to get through it. And maybe you need to check something else out, or you need to ask for help from someone that you haven't thought of. Or maybe you need a different change in situation. But all in all, you need to make some small changes so that you can punch through this layer and get down to that good, thick, rich oil. Or maybe if you're doing a diamond mine and you're trying to get the sparkly stuff at the very bottom. But no matter what it is, I want to encourage you and say that, yes, life is full of layers. They're so complex. They're so difficult. But with a little work and a little time and some help, you can most definitely get through it and enjoy the next level, which is hopefully easier and um, much more satisfying. So you hang in there. And if you need help, make sure that you always reach out. Well, that's it for today's Dr. Me First. I so appreciate you staying around and listening all the way through the conversation and encouragement. And hey, I want to ask you a favor. Would you please share this podcast with your favorite doctors in your life? My goal is to get this to as many female physicians as absolutely possible. Because four years ago, I needed this. I needed this podcast to know that I wasn't alone in medicine that the burnout that I was feeling was not a personal failing, that help and support truly were available, and that change was going to happen in my life. And I so hope that this podcast can bring those things to other female physicians' lives. If you need anything, get a hold of me. There's my link in the show notes where you can find my website or hang out with me on social media. And as always, remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters.